been blessed already as we looked into his word and been reminded of his faithfulness to us, his goodness. We uh, made a commitment as we sang that song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And I think that's a, I hope that's a, a vow, a commitment that each of us have made in our lives. If not, we would do that today. We would uh, continue to follow after him. Well, yeah, the title of the message this morning is Under the Juniper Tree. Under the Juniper Tree. Uh, so I thought about that a little bit. I wondered, what is a juniper tree? And I looked into that a little bit. I don't know if I've ever saw one except for in pictures. And uh, as I looked at pictures, it looked kind of, they're a pine tree, kind of a scrubby looking pine tree that, that uh, a lot of times it showed them leaning over to the side. And they're not very pretty to look at, but they're a hardy tree, I guess, and they're survivors. It doesn't take much water for them to, to make it. They sometimes grow out of like the cracks in, in rocks and things like that. So uh, as we look at the Bible, we see that there was a man that spent time under the juniper tree. And uh, I want to look at who that was, why he was there, and what he was doing. Does anybody know who it was that spent time under the juniper tree? Maybe one of the children or youth. Think of a man that spent some time under a juniper tree. It's a familiar story. It was Elijah. He, uh, Elijah the Tishbite, he was a great prophet of God. I, I like to read the accounts of Elijah. He seems like he was a... Uh, a man of prayer, a man of faith, a man of courage. Um, and I think he was, all of those, but he was also a human. And we, uh, as we want to look at the account today, we see a, a man that was very tired. He was very exhausted. And it's not the picture that we typically get of Elijah when we think of him and the work that he was willing to do and how he was willing to, to stand up and be a prophet for God. Turn with me in your Bibles. We can, we can read a lot about Elijah. We can find him in the Old Testament and the New Testament. If we turn to James 5, it gives us a uh, little glimpse of Elijah and probably his most uh, popular, if you want to call it, or most talked about account. I want to look at James 5, read uh, 16 through 18. Here he's called Elias, but I believe it would be referring to Elijah the prophet. James 5, 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passion as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So, the thing that I want to look at here is Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. He had feelings just like me and you do have today. He, had, he was just a human that faced different things in life, and because of that, we find him under a juniper tree. This story of 
of where he prayed that it, not, it might not rain and it rained not for three and a half years can be found in 1 Kings 18. And it precedes the, the uh, 1 Kings 19 where we find Juniper parked underneath the juniper tree. Or we find Elijah parked underneath the juniper tree. The, the story that goes with that, and you can turn to 1 Kings. I don't know that I'll read the whole account. But we know that Elijah was sent by God to be a prophet. He was sent to King Ahab to give him a message to King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And he told them that it's not going to rain for years. And I don't know that he, he told him much other than that, but because he told him that and because God had told him that, it didn't rain for a period of three years. And you know, last week it didn't rain here for six days maybe, and it was starting to get kind of dry and dusty. But if you can imagine, maybe some of us can remember in, in, in uh, 2012 when it didn't rain for, what was it, a month or six weeks and how, how dry it got here. Maybe it was longer than that. But a period of three years, and, you know, as this, these three years kept going on and on, and there was no rain, no rain, no rain, they kept remembering this prophet that had brought this message, this Elijah that was, he told them that it's not going to rain. And they saw him as a troubler of Israel. They saw him as the one that was causing their problems. But after three years, there was a, a, a meeting set up between King Ahab and Elijah, and, and they met there. And that's what Ahab called him. He said, you troubler, troubler of Israel. You know, you've caused not to rain. He said, no, you are the troubler of Israel because you have caused the people to forsake the Lord's commandments. And he said, you need to make a decision who you're going to serve, who you're going to follow. Is it going to be Baal or is it going to be the true living God that Elijah was serving? So he called for that uh, I don't know what the word would be, but the, the account on Mount Carmel, or Mark, Mount Carmel, however you want to say it, where they decided to bring the sacrifices and to, to lay down uh, the offering. Each of them was to bring a bull, lay it down, cut it in half, and stack it on the wood. And they was to pray to their God to see which God would send down fire from heaven and show himself strong, show himself to be the real true God. And Elijah told them, you go first. So the 450 prophets of Baal, they gathered together there and they, they prepared their altar and they, they laid the, the bull on there and the wood and they prayed. And it says they prayed and they prayed from morning till noon and nothing happened. Their God, Baal, didn't hear what was going on. He didn't answer their prayers. And Elijah actually taunted them. He said, maybe your God's sleeping. Maybe he's talking to someone else, or maybe he's on a journey. Maybe you need to cry louder. So they cried louder. And I can imagine it was quite a scene as they, they started. It says they leaped on the altar, and they started crying out and cutting themselves, trying to get the attention of Baal to send down fire from heaven. And they did this until the evening sacrifice time, and what happened? Nothing. Absolutely nothing happened. And then it was Elijah's turn to prepare the altar. And he said he repaired the altar and he called the people to come near. Come near. And then as he prepared it, he, he called for the, the 12 stones and then the, he uh, had them bring the wood and dug a trench around it and he put the, the meat on there, cut in pieces. And then he, 
He asked for something else. He said, bring four barrels of water and pour it on the offering. And that's what he did. They did. They brought the four barrels of water. And I always wonder, I guess, where them four barrels came from. Because they was living in such a drought that they had four barrels of water to dump on this sacrifice. And they, he, when they dumped that, he said, bring four more. And then he said, bring four more. And they, they dumped 12 barrels of water on the sacrifices. And they were totally drenched. Maybe that would have been similar to how it was after we had the pour down last night. And then he prayed. And this is what he prayed. He said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that this day thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and thou hast turned their heart back again. Verse 38 says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. I've, I've seen some pretty hot fires, but I don't know that I've ever saw anything close to what God sent down from heaven that day, that it consumed everything. You know, we've seen meat burn, we've seen wood burn, but I don't know that I've ever seen stones and dust and water burned up. But it did. And when the people saw that, it says they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They recognized that the God that Elijah was serving that day was the God of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he had sent down fire and he got their attention. I don't know, but I imagine Elijah was rejoicing. He was on some kind of a, a spiritual high. When you, when you see God perform something like that, it's, it's pretty amazing. And then Elijah told, he called for Ahab. He told him, he said, get you something to eat and drink and go home because it's going to rain. It's going to rain. And after that, Elijah went up on Mount Carmel again and he prayed. It says, and he asked his servant to go and watch if anything was happening. And his servant went and looked and he said nothing. And he prayed and he told him to go. And on the seventh time when they the servant went to look, he saw a little cloud like a man's hand coming up out of the sea. I think it was then that Elijah told Ahab, he said, go quick, there's a big storm coming. And so Ahab hitched up his chariot and off he went down the mountain. And I guess to, to get our a, a good grip of of how excited Elijah was. We can read verse 46 in, in 1 Kings 18. And it says, The hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I believe Elijah was pumped. He had saw God working. He had answered his prayers, and he was definitely feeling like the God of the universe was doing his thing. And he might have been singing the song, My God is so big. So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. But it was short-lived. As we look into 1 Kings 19, and we want to read the first eight verses, it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. And came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. 
But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink. And he went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights into Horeb, the mount of God. <clears throat> we'll stop reading there. I don't think, you know, as Ahab went back down the mountain, he gave Jezebel the message. He said, this Elijah has killed all 450 prophets of Baal. They took them to the brook Kishon and they slew them there. You know, Elijah was wanting to wipe out this false prophets and this false worship that was going on in Israel. And that was his desire. And that was, I believe that's what God instructed him to do. But this upset Jezebel. And she sent a messenger to Elijah, a death sentence. It said that by this time, what you have done to my prophets, by this time tomorrow will be done to you. And that was to say that they was going to kill Elijah. And this is when we see Elijah's humanness come out. You know, I think he had been on such a, such a big spiritual high and had saw, had saw God work so mightily and answered his prayers. And then he becomes very discouraged, very disheartened. You know, he just got his death notice, but I don't think that was necessarily what did it because these people had been after him for three and a half years, so I don't think that was anything new. Could have it been that he was disappointed in God? You know, he had did everything he was told to do. And God had answered, and the people had said, the Lord, he is God. And he, he maybe was expecting Ahab and Jezebel to start serving God, and therefore the whole nation might do that. I don't know. Or maybe yeah, he thought of the altar and the rain. He thought, if this isn't obvious enough, what's, what's it going to take? for these people to see who you are, God. I think we can realize he was exhausted. You know, I think he was totally spent from the effort that he had put out. You know, I took notice that when he told Ahab to go get you something to eat and drink, do you think there was time that day to eat and drink when they was praying and watching all this commotion on Mount Carmel? I don't imagine there was. That probably wasn't a big focus for that day. It was to get the attention of their God. You know, he'd put all the effort into this, into these people, and nothing changed, at least not yet. So he was spiritually exhausted and mentally and physically exhausted. And what else could be something that makes us vulnerable to, to Satan? In verse 3, it says, when, they, when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. He fled, and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he's left his servant there. He was alone. Elijah was all alone out there underneath that juniper tree. 
I think he was discouraged, and he was wallowing in self-pity. I think Satan had brought the spirit of discouragement into his life. Spirit of fear. So what did he do? He gave up. He quit. He threw in the towel. You know, he asked God, he said, It is enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. Has anyone been there under the juniper tree? Are we human enough to admit that we face discouragement and disappointments? Sometimes we've prayed and we've prayed and we see nothing change. It's okay to admit that we're under, we've been under the juniper tree, but it's not a good place to stay. Because we want to ask God, why did you let this happen? Why don't you change this situation? Why don't you change this person? The problem is not with God. He hasn't changed, he hasn't moved, and he hasn't quit. I think the problem is in our minds, our thinking. We've let our circumstances take over, our feelings. And whenever we let our feelings rule over our faith, we become discouraged and we give up. Now God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Our feelings deceive us. We don't want to operate on those. So what is the antidote? What is the solution when we find ourselves under the juniper tree? We find ourselves discouraged. In Romans 12, 2, I believe that Rick may have shared this verse last Sunday. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There needs to be a renewing of our minds. So I have four points this morning. And I use the word mind, M-I-N-D, and an acronym, I think that's what, call it, what you call it, with a, a letter for each point. And I've borrowed some of these. But the letter M, what did we see in Elijah? What did he do when he found himself under the, the juniper tree? He met with God. He met with God. As we see there in, in, in verse 5, As he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto me, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals, and a cruise of water in his head, and he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. So he met with, with an angel of the Lord. And I think through that he was strengthened. God met his his physical needs, and he also gave him some instructions of what he was to do. Turn with me to Philippians 4. When I'm talking about meeting with God, it's, I'm talking about prayer. Philippians 4. <clears throat> There's quite a bit that we could read here, but I want to start with Verse 4, I think it would be a good solution, a good way to, to help us out from underneath the juniper tree. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Then he says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 
And if we do that, and verse 7 gives us a, a promise, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So when we surrender, when we come to the Lord in prayer, and we allow him to handle our problems, we surrender them to them and say, Lord, this is too big for me. This is not something I can handle. This peace of God, which passes all understanding, can flood our hearts and minds. So we can trust God to, to watch over us and to help us in every situation. Not that he's going to answer our prayer exactly the way we want, but he knows what's best for us. So meet with God when we find ourselves under the juniper tree. And the next letter, I, is to interact with others. And we saw what Elijah did. When he went off by himself, he went off alone. I think it gives Satan an opportunity to attack him. And I know that in the devotions this morning, we read where Jesus went off alone. But what did he do when he went off alone? He went to meet with the Father. So we need to be willing to interact with others. Ecclesiastics uh, 4, 19, or 4, 9 through 12. You don't have to turn there, but it's a, a verse that we often hear in weddings. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. Again, if two lie together, then have they heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So it's good to have someone there to help you when you fall. Someone to interact with. It's good to have brotherhood, to have each other. It's also where God commands his blessings. In Psalm 1 and 33, it says, Be good, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment. As the dew of Hermon and as the dews that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessings, even life, forevermore. So interact with others. And I think, as we heard in our Sunday school lesson, to live peaceably with all men as much as life possible. Because we need each other. We need brotherhood. If we're on this journey alone, we're trying to do it in an individual way or yeah, each one just doing what, what they think they need to do, you know, I think we're going to struggle. We're going to find ourselves under the juniper tree. So the letter N is to never blame others. Never blame others. And we see that that's what started to happen with Elijah. What did, and maybe what he, what, what he was saying was true. In verse 36, no, verse 14, he says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, throwing down thy altars and slaying thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. So he's placing the blame on others. 
It's the people that have forsaken God that are causing him his problem. We can oftentimes find ourselves under the juniper tree trying to self-justify our actions when we try to blame others. Philippians 4.10 says it like this. When Apostle Paul was writing to the Philippians, he says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care may have flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So I think Paul, in all his dilemmas that he faced, whether he was shipwrecked or in prison, being bitten by a snake, he has learned to be content. And I think that's important, that we accept God's will for our life that we learn to accept our lot in life, where God has placed us and what he's called us to do. It says in Corinthians something about it's not wise to compare ourselves among ourselves. When we start to, to look around and, and to compare our lives with those around us, we can soon find ourselves under the juniper tree, pretty discouraged, thinking life's not fair. And many times it doesn't seem fair. But can we accept what God has for us? And see it as for our good and his glory. We come to the letter D in mind. And I think this is probably the one that I get hung up on. Do something for others. Do something for others. And we see that in a little bit further down Elijah's story. God asked him. He says, go and anoint the king, another king. And that's. He gave him a couple instructions, actually. Verse 15, it says, And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Meliah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in the room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehoah slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So God asked him to go and do something for others. I think that's probably the easiest, fastest, best way to come out from underneath the juniper tree is to go do something for others. Away from self-pity, despair, and discouragement. It does something. And Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And James put it like this. He said, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. To visit the fatherless and the widows, the orphans. And to care for them. And in Matthew 25, it says, When you was hungered, you gave me meat. When you was thirsty, you gave me drink. When you was a stranger, you took me in. 
naked and you clothed me, sick you visited me, and in prison you came unto me. So as God leads us, as God gives us opportunities, do something for others. Be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. This morning I, I want to say it's not a coincidence that we promote these things at Crossroads. We promote Wednesday night prayer meetings, meeting with God, interacting with others. It's not a coincidence that we have Wednesday night singing where we go to sing for widows. It's not a coincidence that we try to have quarterly outreaches. Why do we do that? Because it's what God asks us to do. And it's more blessed to give than to receive. I think it's the fastest, best, easiest way to get out from underneath the juniper tree. And away from our discouragement, away from despair, away from fear, when we're serving others as Christ served us. You know, I think of some of the most joyful, blessed people that I know. You can think of some in your life. Are they people that are under the juniper tree? Are they people that are serving others, serving Christ by serving others? Jesus said, there'll be tribulations in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Joshua says, be thou strong and courageous. So my prayer this morning is when we find ourselves where we, where we see Elijah, under the juniper tree, discouraged and thinking that God might not be hearing us, we need to meet with him. We need to talk with him. We need to surrender everything to him. Maybe it would do us good to count our blessings, name them one by one. We need to interact with others, those of like-minded faith, believers, and pray for one another. Confess your faults one another that you may be healed. We need to never blame others. Take personal accountability. We find ourselves under the juniper tree. Can we accept our lot in life? Can we be content? And most of all, can we do something for others and be who Christ wants us to be? These thoughts, let's kneel for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we pause before you this morning. Lord, we look at the life of Elijah and how that you worked and moved in such a mighty way there and how that the people saw you for who you were. God of the universe, our creator, our redeemer. And Lord, I just pray that each one of us, as we recognize your work in our lives and the lives of those around us, we can continue to keep our faith and trust you, that you would be the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we know there will be tribulations in this world. You tell us to be of good cheer and to overcome the world. So help us to be overcomers by meeting with you meeting with others, and taking personal 
responsibility and accountability for our own actions, our own lives, and also that we would do something to love them. So help us to be servants. Just guide and lead us, teach us in your truth. Lord, we thank you most of all that when we fail, we can come to you. We can have forgiveness because of what you've done on the cross. So again, we just thank you and praise you. We pray for each one here. All this we pray in Jesus' name.